Jared Garn is a film critic. He works at the Monster Pictures uh, Company and for the Monster Festival, Monster Film Festival. G'day, Jared. G'day, Pam. How you going? Good, thanks, mate. Excellent. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, post-apocalyptic movie? I'd say pre-apocalyptic because if you think about it, it came out 1968 and then 1969 was the apocalypse with Easy Rider. <laughs> and that's when cinema changed as we knew it. The thing is, though, there is a, there's sort of a, there is sort of um, interesting overtones in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. True, true. I mean, it's a flying car for a start. This is it. It's one of those things that I keep saying. We're in 2023. Where are our flying cars? Where are our teleportation? Where are all the things that we want? We just keep getting you know constant upgrades to iPhones. I'm still wait. I'm holding out for these flying cars. Wasn't there a sort of comment on author- authoritarianism as well in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Was they got got stuck in that uh, strange European country? Oh, true. Yeah, with, yeah. With the fascist like, dictator. I was going to say with the dictatorship. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> so, yes, anyway. No, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't on my list, Jared. I've got to say. No, definitely wasn't on my bingo card. No well, mention of uh, TJ Hooker when there was so much discussion of William Shatner as well. I was, Mick's just told I was me the name. Shatnered. <laughs> Mick's just told me the name of the, the country, the fictional country in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It was called Vulgaria. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, love it, love uh, it. Good gear. <laughs> uh, this is from Michael. It says, uh, post-apocalyptic movie, The Quiet Earth, a New Zealand, oh, New Zealand 80s classic. movie. Isn't that yeah, a great movie? Yeah, with Bruno Lawrence yeah, from yeah. the mid-80s. Yeah, loved it. It's a, a terrific film and a really sort of underrated film as well because outside of like, you know, sort of, I guess, you know, art film circles this day and age, you don't hear it discussed that often. But, yeah, fantastic film. No, I agree. And Bruno Lawrence was a great actor. He was in Frontline, of course, as well. Yeah, Smash uh, Palace, another one, you know, like New Zealand uh, classic as well. Just a really talented actor. Now, somebody, uh, Steve from Coff says, my movie pick is Zombieland, starring Woody Harrelson. But I think we want to stick away from zombies because we did them last I was, fortnight. I was going to say the same, only because... If you start on zombies, the list is endless. Honestly, there's probably been a mm. thousand zombie films made in the last decade. So yeah, but typically, yes, you know, any any zombie film is in a post-apocalyptic world because the zombies have taken over. So I think we're right to steer clear of those. Yeah, look, oh, but mind you, that one which I haven't seen uh, sounds like it's okay because Woody Harrelson usually picks pretty good movies. It's great. Zombieland's really funny. It treads that line between horror and comedy. Well, I'd say it definitely, you know, verges toward comedy more than the horror. But, yeah, it's a terrific film. And even the sequel, Zombieland Double Tap, is surprisingly good too. Yeah, I think we've mentioned before, I have a bit of trouble with my horror-comedy mix-up there. I'm not sure if there's such a genre as horror-comedy. Obviously there is, but it doesn't work for me. I yeah, was thinking it's, about it's a this, hard one. Yeah, I was thinking about this as well. Is there such a thing as post-apocalyptic comedy as well? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's a film that came out maybe a decade ago called This Is The End that had all the talent of the time playing themselves and it was pretty much, I think it was during Apocalypse and then post-apocalypse. So you saw pre-apocalypse uh, and then post so, yeah, there's definitely apocalyptic comedies. In fact, one of my favourites is an Aussie one from 1988 called Smoke Em If You've Got Them uh, that had Blue Ruin do all the music for it, but that oh, no. was a terrific one. Yeah, directed by Ray Bosley, a short one. I think it was like about 60 minutes, but enough to qualify as being a feature. But, yeah, it had a young Clayton Jacobson uh, and a and a oh, Nick Needle from um, 
Dogs in Space. Oh, it just yeah. had the crop of Aussie talent at the time, and it's it's fantastic. It's basically a party uh, at the at end of time. So if you're going to go out, you oh, may yeah. as well go out in a bang. There was there's another one too. I think they were set uh, with these kids stuck in the basement of the Sydney Opera House during a nuclear oh, attack. Oh yes, ah, a one night stand. Yeah, okay, yeah, it was. Right. That was a terrific one as well. Yeah, I loved that one. That was um, reminiscent also of uh, not a post apocalyptic film, but another great Aussie film that sadly hasn't had a release since its home video. One Secrets. Do you remember that one? No, uh, I don't. Oh, a bunch of kids that were trapped in the basement of a Beatles gig and they're there oh, to yes, see the yeah. Beatles. And then, yeah, I think Danny Minogue might have even been in it. But a great film that's been, unfortunately, lost. Um, one of the... I did think of a post-apocalyptic comedy movie and it was... Um, I forget what it was called. It had Simon Pegg and all, all his team Oh, in this, it. Is, this is the end. But, Not this is the end, is it? Um, is it this is the end? I think it is. It's the third chapter in... Uh, no, it's called The End of the World, maybe. Oh, yes. It's the yeah. third chapter in the Coronetto trilogy, following, funnily enough, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Okay, yep. It, the World's End. Yep. The World's End, that's yeah. it, yes. That's yes, that. that's the one. There no, that was great. Uh, someone suggests Planet of the Apes trilogy. Um, well, I mean, it's more than a trilogy. It was a, what was it? it was, there was about five of them originally between 1968 and possibly the mid-'70s. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, they did the recent sort of trilogy mm. as well. Uh, and then, of course, there's the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes, which somehow they've shoehorned into that franchise because they reference it. But that that's a terrific series of films. Even a TV series they made out of Planet I, of the I Apes as well. there was even a cartoon and you probably... There was. There yeah. was. There was an animated series and as well. It was endless. There was also Planet of the Apes action figures, I think, Nick. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Highly sought after. Jared, uh, I tell you, Mick's just uh, told me that he actually had one of the uh, Planet of the Apes action figures as a kid. Oh, my. Oh, but he doesn't have it in this day and age, otherwise he'd be sitting on a tidy fortune, I imagine. Mint in pack, Mick? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently he had a parachute. You chucked it up in the air and it, um, it parachuted down. So. Oh, I like, I like toys of simpler times before they had too many components you could break. Uh, we head to the phones. There's a couple more texts. Uh, movies, hands down, The Amiga Man with Charlton Heston. Great oh, film. Incredible. And an adaptation of Richard Matheson's uh, He Is Legend, which has been done a few times because they, they did another adaptation of it in 2007 with Will Smith. Yeah. I am uh, legend. Yes, that is it. Because the book was He Is Legend. Okay, good. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, the Charlton Heston version was the better oh, of the two, wasn't incredible. it? Incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm quite fond of I Am Legend. It's just, yeah, a lot of CGI. So, unfortunately, it's dated the film a bit. But I do, oh, you know, I, it's such a great story. I'll take any adaptation. <laughs> I'm with you. Good morning, Nicholas. Yeah, good morning. Uh, somebody's already preempted my idea, but I thought of something else as well. But uh, the original uh, movie length... Um, uh, Planet of the Apes. I was thinking of the scene, the, the apocalyptic scene, where Charlton Heston has, um, has uh, sees this vision of the half-sunk Statue of Liberty mm. and the sense of rage that goes through him. Uh, I was thinking there that they could have combined that film with um, a bit of uh, underlying nuances of um, uh, the Ben-Hur movie or one of the religious uh, uh, movies on the 50s. Because you've got the Charlton Heston thread there. I, look, I, I'll tell you, Nicholas, someone sent me a photo the other day, or I saw a photo, it was actually of that section of beach where the Statue of Liberty oh, wow. was CGI'd in. Or, 
Uh, and, and you know, had the whole headland and everything. It was one of those before and after shots where they sort of overlay it over the shot from mm. the movie, over the, the actual uh, coast, yeah. coastal shot. Well, it was very interesting. That was quite dramatic and very historical. But you mentioned something about post-apocalyptic um, science fiction. Yeah. Uh, look, this is more in line of, of uh, television, I guess, uh, rather than or uh, radio narrative rather than film. But the the whole of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is based on um, the initial destruction of the Earth, and everything else is a kind of post-apocalyptic discovery. Yeah. No, fair call cool there. Oh, look, was that made a movie? As they well, did. Jared, yeah. yeah, they did one maybe about 2008 or so, mm-hmm. and I was hoping it would lead to a series of films so they could see out the rest of the Douglas Adams books, but sadly I, I, they mustn't have done so well. They only did the one film. I've got a couple of texts here. Mad Max and Terminator. We'll come to those in a sec. Ash in Adelaide said, of course, Mad Max will be mentioned a lot here. It's probably the first of the post-apocalyptic films that became popular. But what is interesting is that the film uh, that it is in the, 19, in the 1980s a Japanese cartoon was created called First, A Fist of the North Star, which is oh, so yes. heavily influenced. Anime. Yeah, and it's apparently so heavily influenced by Mad Max that it's almost exactly the same, but swaps out cars for martial arts, etc. They the- did a live-action version of it, funnily enough, too, with Mark Dukakis, a famous sort of martial artist. But, yeah, Fist of the North Star, one of the classics of the anime, oh, yeah. you know, the late 80s anime movement. So you've seen that. Did you notice any similarities with Mad Max? Oh, de- definitely. I mean, look, you know, Mad Max was prime for every culture to sort of make their own sort of take on it. But the the Japanese were particularly fond of it because not only with Fist of the North Star, but then there was Akira too, which is probably the landmark right. anime film as well with, you know, post-ocalyptic overtones. I've got to hear someone suggest uh, there's the movie that was shot in Melbourne, um, which on the beach with Ava Gardner and Gregory, Gregory Peck, 1959 well, in Australia. That one's pretty much apocalyptic, though, because that one's on the cusp of, of every, you know, and we're one of the last places to be hit yeah. by that nuclear wave. So, yeah, it's sort of in that ground of going, oh, it's, it's apocalyptic, not post. <laughs> oh, OK, but, we've got a definition going on here. <laughs> yeah, def- definitely. Otherwise, I would put... Another one, Moonlight Mile, a terrific film from the late 80s in there as well, which is just, you know, that cusp. And even that Aussie one that came out a couple of years ago, um, oh, where, again, it was a party at the end of the world. Oh, what was oh. it called? Can't remember the title. Yeah, It'll there's a couple me. of them, actually. Uh, there's the fellow from The Office. He's in one of those as well, I think. Oh, yes, Friend for the End of the... Yeah. Seeking a Friend for the yeah. End of time or something of that nature. Yeah, yeah, Steve Carell. Yeah, that's right. That was a good one, quite underrated. Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio is in one as well, isn't he? Leonardo DiCaprio, is he? I'm pretty sure he's Critters. It's definitely not Critters 3. Uh, (laughs) 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 It's definitely not that one. That was his first major film that he doesn't like to talk about. Yeah, the third Critters film that pretty much went direct to video. Yeah, that was his breakout role before Titanic and Romeo and Juliet. He's a lucky fellow that his career kicked on. It could have just very easily (laughs) ended right there. Um, (laughs) uh, Let's have a chat to Donald. Go, Donald. Hello, Pav and Jared. Um, I'm glad you mentioned The Quiet Earth because um, it's one I did see at the time. And, yes, Bruno Lawrence is a great actor. Um, And I saw that at the Astor. Jared. Oh, um, wow. Yes. Yeah, Great good, um, I, Now, which Costner disaster have you chosen? There's two. Well, one there is two, one. isn't there? And you'd think he would yeah. have learnt his lesson from Waterworld having done that in 95, yeah, but to come no. back two years later and do the Postman. The post. 
Yeah, which is a clever title. I mean, the, it's it's quite a good film. I, if I were to say of the two films, The Postman's definitely the better of the two films. Um, it's a little low on spectacle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just not just ocean. You're right. But both films, I think both films are actually quite quite good. You know, I mean, Waterworld gets its fair share of criticism, but it's due to the escalating budget and the fact that they could never, ever earn the money back at the box office. I mean, over time, it's probably done it on home video and streaming and everything uh, else, but I think both of yeah. them are quite good films. Uh, the Postman definitely uh, was a better one. Uh, I'd like, yeah. like to mention an animated one, uh, Nine. Did you see Nine? Oh, um, yes, that was the one that Tim Burton produced. And, uh, yeah. uh, and it was directed by, was it? Timor, I can't remember his surname, the chap that um, did The Fall. No, Shane, um, at, yeah. at, at, at something like that. Shane Very at, hard yeah. to pronounce I surname. I the, but... uh, Atkins, something like that it is, but yes. Um, all right, and I'll just ask you an opinion. I haven't seen it yet, but I saw it advertised. Finch with uh, Tom Hanks. Did you ever see Finch? No, that was the Apple Plus movie that they did, where it's him and a and it's like a robot, and yeah. obviously post apocalyptic setting. I haven't watched it. I've got to catch up on the last few Tom Hanks films because he did another one, I think, on Apple as well, News of the World, and I've I've done neither. I think I was a bit burned after the Mister Rogers movie, but uh, I was a bit, no, I bit seen shy. Finch, so I just, it's on my yeah. list. Yeah. I've got to do. I've got to do Finch. I've heard nothing but good things about it, and it was a massive production. So it was funny that it just went Apple Plus because it sounded like something that should have been seen in a cinema. Very good. Okay. Thanks, no Donald. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Didn't you like the Tom Hanks movie about the children's TV presenter? No, I did not Didn't enjoy. It? I, I, no, and I, I, I feel bad because at least he tried to do something that wasn't playing Tom Hanks in a movie or something that wasn't a terrible accent like in the Elvis movie. Uh, but, yeah, no, I just, I just didn't um, – it didn't gel for me, unfortunately. I had high hopes. Yeah, well, yes. I, I liked it. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful day in the neighbourhood. I'm sorry, Pat. <laughs> uh, that was the one. Um, good morning, Ace. Oh, good morning, gents. Uh, the – film to which just brought me back because I did see it a couple of months ago was an, an era of the film Logan's Run 1976 oh. with Michael York and Jenny Agata, which yes. also starred in it a tremendous cast of Farrah Fawcett and Peter Ustinov. <laughs> it, oh, it, yes. I mean, the, and the, and when you saw, when I watched again, because I watched the Thunderbirds, excuse me dogs, I'm talking, um, when I watched the Thunderbirds, it was the same as moving those tubes with those little characters through that the Thunderbirds did so brilliantly well. And I watched, I went, oh my goodness, I thought it was the most space age thing when I was, I think I saw it about 1980s. I would have been nine when I first saw Logan's Run. And I thought it was from the space age future. And then seeing the runners who were the, with the, oh, it was fantastic. It, it was, it was fantastic for my era. And then to see Janet Agatha with the a half, a very not, a very revealing thing yeah. as a very young boy. Absolutely. Not so yes. much as walkabout. It, it was, I was, I was projected <laughs> into a space eight and green and I went, wow, look at this place. I saw it at nine years of age and was absolutely 
that's how the future is going to be? Is that how when nuclear war happens? And that's how I unfortunately am going in history and politics, understanding how, well, that's why we're <laughs> going to die from nuclear war. This is why we have to <laughs> yes. live in these bubbles of places where we're going to have this wonderful thing happen. This is great. And I, that's saw, how I my... saw this as a young person as well, Ace. I'm with you. I went to the cinema to check it out, and I thought that's what the future was going to look like as well, Jared. <laughs> yeah, disappointing, isn't it? I, I watched it from a young age as well, and having been a massive fan of Jenny's work in an American Wheel in London, uh, I remember being pleasantly surprised in seeing her in that role. But terrific film. And what was the cutoff age for, was it 25? I think it was 30, wasn't it? Oh, was it 30? Okay. 30, All right. I died at 30. We wouldn't be round now, eh? No, 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 none of us would be here. (laughs) Oh, sort of glad things didn't turn out like that, Ace. (laughs) And I look at my hand, I go, no, there's no uh, dermatitis. Excellent. I'm not going anywhere in the future. (laughs) But the funny thing was, there was when the year 2000, uh, what would you be? I was born in 1971, so I'd be 29 in the year 2000. I went, well, I'm not going to be going to the big Logan. Run sky, <laughs> and I went. Oh, look! Oh, it's like, if I don't make it by then, well, I won't make it anywhere. And I went. Well, no, Logan's Run is the run that I'm not going to get there. I'll be 29 in 2000, and, <laughs> and, uh, and that was the laugh of my brother and I. He goes, "Well, I'll be there before you." And I went, "Well, you know, <laughs> he was. It was brilliant. It was one of those things which we did laugh about, and we always remembered." Jenny Agatha, we really oh, both God, did. Yes. Bit of a dramatic way to deal with the uh, population problem, though, you'd have to say there, Jared. Yeah, pretty <laughs> pretty extreme. I'm surprised that we haven't seen a, you know, remake or reboot or television adaptation of Logan's Run, to be honest, hmm. you know, given how sort of seminal it was as a science fiction film. You know, it's fondly remembered by many. There might have been a cartoon made of Logan's Run as well. I, I'm not really sure about that, but I do remember this, they had a symbol, Sanctuary, was the symbol for, uh, you know, getting out of the, the dome, the dome city mm. or whatever. And I remember that quite distinctly because uh, they were selling sanctuary necklaces and stuff at the time. I think oh, my sister wow. got one. That's cool. That's very cool. Again, if she has it, still probably worth a pretty yeah. penny. Uh, the other thing is with Logan's Run, I wonder if that was influenced at all by the book uh, of Blade Runner. Oh, similar of sort of themes in yes. there. And Blade Runner hadn't been made as a movie yet, but no, you're right. But it would have been published because it was a short story in in one of um, what was the name of the author? Not William Gibson. It was, um, what was Philip the name K. The, Dick. Philip K. Dick. Of course, it would have been. Yeah, it was one of it. Was it? Was that Do Androids? No, that was. Total Recall, wasn't it? Do Android Stream? Oh, no, that was Blade Runner. Do Android Stream yeah, of Electronic Sheep. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Nice yeah. Hey, cheers, Ace. Thank you for that. Uh, apparently, Logan's Run was on TV last week. Uh, I've got here. Oh, wow. It's from John. It says, great post-apocalyptic movie include Dark City with Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, that's a good one. And that's a, that was an Aussie production, too, shot here. Oh. And it was directed by the Sydney filmmaker, uh, Alex Proyas, that did The Crow. Well then, and uh, John mm. says, I still, I guess the Matrix ripped off its concept there. Definitely, I, it was yeah, yeah a- ahead of its time. And then again, the Matrix, funnily enough, shot here, but an international co-production. Hey, it's, John's got a couple of interesting suggestions here. A boy and his dog. Oh, that's great with Don Johnson. Yeah, yeah. from the mid seventies, terrific film. A talking a la- dog. Last Man on Earth type of movie with yeah, with a talking dog. And an underground city. 
Yes, incre- that, that again, another film that's sort of like fallen between the cracks and should be celebrated. Bizarre. And you know, is it, is it and a, ripe for a remake? Is it an <laughs> animated movie? No, no, it's live action. Yeah, live with, action. With a talking movie. dog. Yeah, yeah, a terrific yeah. movie. Terrific movie. Uh, John also wanted to mention Zardoz. <laughs> oh, yes, Short. again. John Borman and Sean Connery in a mankini. <laughs> bizarre. That is the most bizarre movie. I know. And the imagery. Oh, God. Like, you can just never get past seeing Sean Connery in that. And with the ponytail. The ponytail and that. I think you call it a mankini. Yes. But, yeah. I, I saw that as a kid and didn't know what the hell was going on with that one. Yeah, I saw it once as a kid and I've never been back. I think I was scarred. It was a bit bit HG Wells, that one, too. Um, yeah. Hello, Greg. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Um, ones I've already mentioned have already been said. Uh, I Am Legend. Oh, uh, yep. With Will yes. Smith. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, 12 Monkeys. Oh, 12 Monkeys is a great one. Yeah, absolutely. And there's another one with Jared Butler. Um, he's protecting a... The last female uh, lady who can bear children. Yes, children um, of men. Is it children yeah. of men? Yeah, it's I not Jared Butler. It's um, it's the chap that was in. Is it Jared Butler? It's the chap that was in Croupier. Maybe it is Jared Butler. But yeah, Children of Men, terrific, terrific film. Incredible yeah. cinematography as well. There's this one shot in the movie that's this one take that basically the camera moves in a three sixty degree motion. And it's just unfathomable because you're like, how can they shoot something like this seemingly in one shot? But, yeah, Mick's, great film. Mick's yeah. telling me Clive Owen is the star. It of is Clive Owen. Yeah. Very sim- they're very similar, and I often get them confused myself. So, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. Great film. Okay. Cheers. Thanks, Mike. Good on you, Greg. Thanks. Uh, I've got the potential remake of Logan's Run was The Island, apparently. Kind of different, but much the oh, same. Oh, that was the one with uh, Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson. I never saw it. I was I was keen to see it, and it did sound like it borrowed quite heavily from it, but I'm not sure if it was a remake as such. I think they might have just borrowed from it, thinking everyone had forgotten the classic that was Logan's Run. But if you've seen Jenny in it, you're never going to forget it. I've got Ash here to say that uh, one of my all-time favourite movies is Day of the Triffids. Oh, God, yeah. And, again, a, a one that that's sort of timeless because it feels like every decade we have a new adaptation of it. Mm. There was only one a few years ago. But, yeah, the, the original uh, tally, tally play is one that's up with me. It's such a, such a strong premise too, I, I think, that one with the... You know, the, I mean, it was originally the book was great. You now these uh, yeah, things falling yeah. out of the sky, everyone went blind, and uh, you know those people who hadn't witnessed it woke up, and they were the only people who could see it. Was could terrific, say, yeah. yeah, terrific uh, idea. To never made me. Look. I would never look at the garden the same way again after that. <laughs> <laughs> and there were, as you said, there were quite a, a number of uh, remakes of that. A lot of them for yeah. television, television miniseries and stuff. Um, I've got here. Now, this is one that uh, a few people have sent in a text about, and it's the movie The Road. Uh, yes, John Hillcott, mm. uh, Aussie director again. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, ter- terrific film, um, bleak, so bleak. Mm. Like, uh, very unsettling, the fact that, you know, people uh, have to resort to sort of cannibalism in order to survive in the new world. Uh, amazing book by Cormac McCarthy, one of his best. Oh, absolutely. Incredible. Absolutely. 
and wonderful great music as well. Nick Cave, I think, does the music in that one. And Vigo, yeah. Vigo Mortensen, terrific uh, acting in it as well. Young Australian boy doing the acting. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I've got here as well the Book of Eli. I know that's one you wanted to talk about. That one came out, funnily enough, around the same time as The Road. It was like we had these two films and both of them had people resorting to cannibalism in this new world. But um, was it Denzel Washington, I think it was, that yeah. played lead in Book of Eli? But again, quite dark, but probably the, you know, the Coke, Diet Coke version of The Road, if you will. But um, Book <laughs> of Eli was good too. Very poetic, uh, but ultimately a bit more of a, popcorn version yeah, of the yeah, road. Agreed with you there. Growing wild in the sun in in the That's Joan Baez there. That one goes out to Trish, if you're listening, Trish. Um, that, uh, that Joan Baez song is from a movie called Silent Running, which was a very formative and influential science fiction movie that was made in 1972. Have you ever seen Silent Running, Jared? I have. Funnily enough, I only watched it maybe a couple of years ago because they did a restoration of it and I caught it at okay. uh, a science fiction film festival. Bruce Dern, very young Bruce Dern in it. An amazing movie, really. Um, Absolutely, and Douglas Trumbull, the director of it, he, he, outside of doing actual production work on films like for 2001 A Space Odyssey, Star Trek, Close Encounters, he, he went on to do another film that I really like called uh, Brainstorm with Christopher Walken. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, terrific film, make a terrific film. And the models in that film were hugely influential as well, apparently. They... Uh, it was before Star Wars was made, but a lot of those models, uh, model makers were the ones who went on to make the, the models for Star Wars and future science fiction films as well. Of course, yeah, yeah. Because from memory, I think it may have been shot in the UK as well, but it was definitely more adult-orientated science fiction before you know Star Wars came along and blew the roof off and sort of made it an accessible thing for kids. Yeah. The premise is that uh, it's set in the future in a world where there isn't any forests left on Earth, so they they basically blast all these forests into space and and they're, uh, they're in domes, so they're floating around in space in these domes being kept alive by artificial light and by these three robots, Huey, Dewey and Louie, who uh, help the humans on board the spaceship look after the, uh, the, the forests. Now, you know, uh, we won't give, we'll try not to give away any plot spoilers in case anybody's seen it, but one of the amazing things that the director does in that movie, considering it's all about nature, is that he makes us feel sympathy for the robots. So the non-human uh, characters in the film Absolutely. get all your sympathy, that yet when the humans die, uh, there isn't that same level of attachment to them. So it's very interesting no. how he's flipped that. There's a well, funnily enough, there's another post-apocalyptic film it reminds me of is, and it's an animated one, a Disney Pixar, but Wall-E from 2008, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which had a similar premise. You yeah. identify with the robot because the humans are the ones that have laid wreckage to the world, and we see all the humans in that film as like these slob-like sort of characters. But that was a terrific movie. Like honestly, one of the best things to come out of Disney in in decades. But yeah, truly beautiful how you can. You know, 
basically identify with a robot. Uh, Mick the Miner wanted to mention Flash Gordon. Uh, we'll, we'll accept that, won't we? Yeah, look, you know, it's it's a tough one, I guess. I always just think, well, you know, it's a it's a kind of like a space world, I guess. You know, it's in the same realm as uh, the Pitch Black spin-off movies, you know, the Chronicles of Riddick and things like of that nature. Right. But, yeah. Uh, good morning, Trevor. Oh, good morning, Michael, and, uh, to, and to your guests. The film I was thinking of this morning is Snowpiercer, and I thought it was fascinating because oh. of the analogy of it, the class system will always prevail. Hmm. And, and what is it with these post-apocalyptic films and cannibalism? Like, what is it? <laughs> you know, and I hope I, that's a bit of a spoiler, but, I mean, there's a TV series now of it as well. Someone's actually uh, mentioned about yeah. Soylent, Soylent Green here as well. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> on brand. Um, I found that it's a weird movie, Snowpiercer. It's about a train that's stuck on mm. this rail line that goes, keeps going yeah, around the, the world. The temperature's too, well, too cold for anyone to survive outside, so... Just going round and round the world, but whoever, but yeah, but it's very interesting. Yeah, it is, and and every carriage is broken up by you know socio sort of class, and yeah, when you find the grand reveal as to what's powering it, that's the heartbreaking part of it. But Korean filmmaker as well, I think it was actually a Korean American and maybe another country or two co-production. So that's why I think it's got that really sort of distinct sort of vision, somewhat different from a lot of you know, uh, American cinema of the time as well, despite having, like, such a big A-list American cast as well as international cast. Uh, thank you, Trevor. I've got here as well The Day the Earth Stood Still. We're going to accept that. Someone says Awesome Wells. That wasn't Awesome Wells, was it? Uh, no, it's H.G. Wells. Was it, yeah. was, it H, was it written by H.G. Wells? I'm trying to think now. I'm not really sure who wrote the original, but that was yeah, the one, of course, with the robot Klaatu in it. Absolutely. And then they did that awful remake yeah. with Keanu Reeves. I went and saw it at IMAX, and I tell you what, if a movie's bad, it's 100 times worse when you watch it in IMAX because you can't look away. Orson <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Welles, of course, did um, The War of the Worlds, uh, the original radio play, which was then oh, made yes. into a movie. Timeless. And I've got to say, I'm not a huge fan of the work of Tom Cruise, but that one particular version, that modern version of War of the Worlds, I think it's a great movie. It was really good and, and, and incredibly suspenseful. Like that sequence yeah. with Tom Cruise in the basement with Tim Robbins and it's just dread-inducing. Like it's nerve-shreddingly suspenseful. It is, isn't it? The whole thing. The, the oh, yeah. It's, it's a really well-put-together film. There's no doubt about it. And, I, yeah, for me it was probably the last, oh, one of the last great Spielberg films that was out-of-worldly and not sort of a you know, period drama or yeah. or something of that nature. But, yeah, terrific. I mean, he was on a good wicket because he did, like, you know, Miller... Oh, not Miller, what was it? Minority Report with Tom right. Cruise as well around that time, which had a post-apocalyptic vibe to it as well. Uh, actually, somebody wanted to suggest... Uh, where is it? Um, E.T. <laughs> but, uh, Athos, I'm not sure that's, that's apocalyptic. That's definitely not post-apocalyptic. I mean, he came... He, he was... He was abandoned on Earth, and he did no ill will and didn't bring about the end of the world. I mean, maybe E.T. too, the one we never saw, that might have happened. Maybe he came back with some friends and <laughs> wanted to mix things up. But no, incredible film, though. Incredible. Timeless yeah, E.T. That, the scene um, in uh, War of the Worlds, the modern one, where the boat, the car ferry is tipped over. Oh, my God, yeah. And that, that's the thing, the scale of that movie, because a lot of the things they did in that movie, surprisingly, were practical. They did a lot of practical effects. Like, they built things 
demolish things and did it all, you know, on screen. So a lot of practical effects as opposed to doing everything with CGI. Mm, big budgets, good spaceships too. Yeah, incredible. I'm due to revisit that one actually because yeah, it's it's been probably been at least a decade since I saw it last. All right. All right. Uh, good day, Georgie. Oh, good day, Pav and Jared. And uh, um, oh, by the way, if for those people who are fans of Je- Jenny Agutter and Logan's Run and her, uh, shall we say, uh, skimpy clown. You're going to talk about walkabout. Uh, no, no, well, she's in that as well. No, no, and you mentioned American Werewolf in London, but if you want to get the full experience, uh, Equus, the adaptation of the play. Oh, oh, seriously. Yeah, if you have to sit through the whole of Equus just to watch a bit of Jenny Aguilera, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's a payoff no, that's, there, that's, George. That's why they invented the fast-forward button. <laughs> I was going to say, in, in this modern age, we can we don't even have to fast-forward. We can just skip chapters. Oh, I mean, right. Equus yeah. could almost be considered a post-apocalyptic movie. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is going on in that movie? <laughs> what is that? Account for me, Pav, account for me. Um, a man and his horse. Horse, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, anyhow, I'll go there. Um, but sorry, yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, there was a TV adaptation of Logan's Run. In oh, the there was? The yeah, with was it Jared Harris and Donald Moffat played a, a kind oh, of a role. Wow. Someone has texted there were 14 episodes made between yeah, 1977 and 78. Yeah, it wasn't 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 fantastic, but it was interesting, you know. So, uh, a short run series. I've got to dig that up. Yeah, yeah. And the island was definitely a rip off of uh, Logan's Run, Uh. (laughs) definitely. Um, And uh, what else was going to be? Oh, and by the way, if for all those on the beach fans, there's actually uh, a theatrical adaptation by the Sydney Theatre Company doing it at the moment of On the Beach. Oh, Uh, it's going for about another week or two, which I haven't seen yet. So I'll try and call it. You know, if Mm. I go see it, but uh, it's got very good reviews. Um, uh, what else was I going to say? Uh, but yeah, well, I'll just say if you really want, you know, true grim reality of post-apocalyptic life, you've got to go to the masters of grimness because that's what they live through every single day of their lives. The Russians. Oh so, yes. Uh, got to go art house. Got to lift, lift the intellectual stakes here, Pav. Um, and uh, I'll mention a couple. Uh, probably one of the greatest films of all time, uh, no matter post apocalyptic or not, is uh, Andrei Tarkovsky's uh, Stalker. Oh which yes. Is, which is uh, yeah, but it's about this place called the Zone, uh, which is kind of been subjected to some mysterious, you know, uh, something's happened that made it. Uh, pretty desolate and uh, you know uh, it's been basically fenced off and uh, there's these guys called stalkers which take brave souls who want to explore this strange place uh, uh, into it because uh, you've got to know what's happening because the laws of time and space have been very subtly changed and I think with the Tarkovsky such a great filmmaker does so well is that there's not a lot of actual really visual effects it's all implied you start seeing things that aren't there it does show you a few things, you know, a little hmm. a few strange quirks. But by doing that, you know, he kind of sets it up, and then you start imagining things that they're talking about without actually seeing them. If you know that what I mean, that's pretty interesting. Have you seen this one, Jared? I have indeed. Yeah, I've seen quite a few of his films, like Solar, the original, you know, Solaris that he did. But yeah, a science fiction visionary too, hmm. in the way that things were depicted or told and storytelling. I'll have to check that one out. Thanks, Georgie. 
If you like that one as well, there's another Russian one called uh, Letters from a Dead Man, which is also similarly gloomy, but very interesting about you know, people surviving after a, a post-apocalypse. And, uh, and I'll just mention a very quickly in America one, a really low budget, a very hard to find. Uh, Peter Fonda, who you probably know, Jane Fonda's brother, who from Easy Rider and so forth, directed a film in the 70s, 73 called Idaho Transfer. I don't know if you've heard that ah, one. Ah, yes. I've never seen it. I do, I do know it. Yes, Idaho Transfer. Yeah, yeah. it's it. It's got a strange plot. It's, got, it's about this um, experiment the US government's doing to try and transfer matter, and they discover that it actually also creates time travel effects. So they, they also find that the only people who could success, successfully survive the process are, are kids under 20 because the, the, the kidneys of older people get affected and, and they die. So they send these kids into the future and they find that this, the world has actually been basically destroyed with some strange ecological catastrophe, which they obviously don't know about how it happened, but they know that it did happen. And uh, they go backwards and forwards, uh, and then they get uh, some of the young people get stuck there. But the first time I actually saw it, the people who put it on, just to make it even more weird, uh, split it up, the reels, into two parts. So they showed the, the first half on one screen and the second half on the other screen at the same time. Clever. And that was a total yeah. mind uh, <laughs> blitz. I mean, but uh, I did see the, uh, the, 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 the full uh, version later on, uh, which made a little more sense. But it's, it's a fascinating film if you can ever dig it up. I don't know if it's okay. on YouTube. Letters from a Dead Man. Now, I would have thought Attack of yeah. the Killer Tomatoes was a post-apocalyptic film, George, but you haven't mentioned it. So <laughs> we have well, mentioned it a few times, yeah. perhaps, so I thought I'd give it a rest, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Georgie. Look after, mate. Thanks. Uh, Georgie certainly... raised a good point, actually, because there was so many films that came out during that you know that cold war sort of period mm. where we were on the threat of nuclear you know holocaust you had like there were in the mid 80s there was films like threads and the day after and they were some of the most bleak uh you know films of their time and a lot of them were made funnily enough for television because i think they didn't think people would want to go to cinemas to see these type of movies um they would probably just rather watch them at home and have nightmares I've got uh, someone here who wanted to mention one that we haven't mentioned yet. John in East Perth suggests uh, Fritz Lang's Metropolis. Oh, of course, and and on topic, but they were going to do a massive television adaptation, which I I didn't understand how you could do it, you know, into a TV series. But they were going to do it here in in Melbourne, funnily enough. And they pulled the plug maybe about six weeks ago, but there was it was going to bring a lot of you know talent to Australia and, and create a lot of jobs. So it's a shame that it didn't get to happen. But I was just flabbergasted that they could turn that into a television series. Mm. Uh, I've got here a movie called The Platform. Oh yeah, Apple. that was one of the Netflix ones. Yeah, absolutely. Where the yeah, it's it's similar kind of guest premise to Snowpiercer, where you do have these sort of levels and as you go you know higher or lower you know things are gradually worse and worse but yeah they're pretty um confronting film there's some you know graphic violence and that in that movie but yeah it's it's a pretty cool film I've got here as well, Judge Dredd is an excellent sci-fi parody of American (laughs) overpopulated post-apocalyptic culture yeah, well, based off the 2000 AD comic book strip as well. I don't know. I don't know if they did it so well with the Stallone version, but the Carl Urban one was quite good from 2010. The, the Sylvester Stallone one was probably a little bit more comical than it was comic. 
Uh, I've got a text here that said, I just watched Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise last night, went to make a cuppa, ah, came yeah. back and thought I was going mad. Is, is that a comment on Tom Cruise's acting or on the movie itself? No, because the movie, it's, um, it's got a Groundhog Day premise. Oh, okay. So it's, uh, you know, he's got to save the world with the help of Emily Blunt, but in order to do it, he's just got to die like about a thousand times and every time he learns something new so he can go back and do it slightly differently. Um, very clever, very clever film. And they were going to do a sequel to it, but I think because of um, the pandemic, Things got pushed back, and then Tom Cruise, obviously, he's got Mission Impossibles to make, so you can't stop that guy. Uh, another one here, which uh, is interesting, just as another text about On the Beach. Apparently, On the Beach, every Friday night on the TV program in Melbourne tonight with Graham Kennedy, they reported uh, on with one of the production crew uh, for the interior sub shots that, oh, wow. uh, that they did in the movie and other shots around the city. That comes from Colin in Balaclava, which was... Actually, Graham Kennedy was born and raised in Balaclava, so um, yeah. yeah. So there you go. That would have been very interesting. It was obviously big. Oh. It was a big time. I mean, there weren't many Hollywood movies made in Australia at the t- you know, around no. those, those days. So. And and it was a massive production that did take you know a good stretch of time to do as well. And yeah, having all of those international Gregory Peck, Fred Astaire, Anthony Perkins, Ava Gardner. I've seen some footage actually of. I think it was Ava Gardner at Flinders Street Station, and you're just like, wow, what what a time when Hollywood came to Melbourne. I know. Apparently, she, there's the famous quote that she had, of course, which was, uh, you know, uh, Melbourne, what a great place to film a movie about the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's up there with the Jerry Seinfeld one when he talks about Australia being the arse end of the world. <laughs> it, I think we... Yeah, we, uh, we I think it was uh, made up in the end. It turned out that it wasn't... <laughs> Was oh, it wasn't factual. No, okay, because no. yeah, because there was a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of hate toward him, and you know, and possibly the reason he never. Well, no, he did end up coming out here and touring. I think the ticket prices were rather pricey, hence why it didn't go. But yeah, I remember there was a big backlash. But of course, this is probably pre-internet era too. So if someone hasn't got a video of it, they can stick on YouTube. It's just you know whispers of yeah. what was said. One, one person's word against another. But I think the film critic responsible did come out. Uh, Recently, you know, a few years ago, to say that uh, he made it all up. So <laughs> it's a good line, though. Incredible. Like, uh, yeah, I, I'm still talking about yeah, it. That's right. <laughs> uh, Ash in Adelaide said, "Do you guys think the Running Man would classify as a post-apocalyptic? It's kind of an economic Absolutely. apocalypse." Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, yeah, if you've got like you know the fall of uh, you know the the banks and the fall of you know uh, politics, that it becomes you know that people are tuning in at night to watch people die on television, for sure. I mean, similar to, like, The Hunger Games, that series of books that were turned into films about a decade ago, there was four of those, and they were the same sort of premise, you know, people watching uh, other people suffer on TV for entertainment. Uh, Another one here, someone wants to know, did you see The Ultimate Warrior starring Yul Brynner? Oh, no, I, I, I know. Actually, I do know it. I've got a... I've actually got it on a stack of to watch on a stack of VHS. I've got it there to watch. I didn't realise that it was a post-apocalyptic film, though. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was an actioner. So let's go into the top of the pile of the VHS. <laughs> no worries. Let's have a quick chat to Chris. Good day, Chris. Yeah, hi. Look, um, you brought back some memories for me, like probably between the age of, what, 10, 12, something like that. This really got my attention, which was um, the day the Earth stood still with uh, with Michael Rennie. But some of the other movies you mentioned, like um, 
um, um, on the beach. That, uh, that 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 didn't have the same impact to me as a, as a young kid. And the other one, which I thought, thought was pretty good, had a similar impact. But I think uh, the day the Earth stood still was the was um, was the most impacting one on me then. But the other one was was with Gene Barry, um, um, War of the Worlds. Um, they were the three. And, and the other one I wanted to mention, which is later, it's not. It's it's um, Charlton Heston, the Omega Man. Um, yeah. I could watch that even now, and I'd, I'd get the same enjoyment I got out of it. You know, when I first saw, saw yeah, it many, many years Chris, ago. Yeah, I saw that years ago too, and uh, that was a great movie and stuck with me. All three of those those ones we mentioned there, Chris. Uh, but well done, thank you for your call. Another person says by text here, Omega Man, uh, and I'll just uh, read this we've got as well here. Um, yeah, the Sydney Morning Herald reported that on her arrival, Ava Gardner had scornfully described Melbourne as the perfect place to make a film about the end of the world. The name found his quote <laughs> was made up. Uh, oh. It was a, a, satirical, a satirical invention of the journalist Neil Gillett. Right. Might have been a bit of a Sydney-Melbourne rivalry thing going on there, baby. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, crazy. There you go. Uh, I've got this from Bo, who says, Don't laugh. My daughter insisted I watch Warm Bodies. I couldn't help liking the quirk, Romeo and Juliet, but with zombies. Thank you, Bo. Yes, Nicholas Holt in that one. Yeah, it's 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 a funny film. It's a funny film, but it's a zombie film, a zomcom, if you will, a zombie comedy. Someone would say The Beach was actually, or On the Beach was Bill Hunter's first movie. Oh, wow. Okay, well, that makes sense. Because what year was it? It was probably like 1959 yeah, or thereabouts. Yeah. We haven't mentioned Elysium or District 9. There's a couple of movies. The District 9's oh, a great movie. District 9's terrific, yeah. Mm. Fantastic. Neil Blomkamp, uh, visionary sort of sci-fi filmmaker. But, yeah, terrific. Strange There's an, actually premise. another one. Oh, incredible premise. Yeah, and, and the fact of setting it sort of like in the ghettos of South Africa. Yeah, but there's... New one that's about to come out in September. I saw a trailer for called The Creator, which looks terrific, and it it, it has a very District Nine feel about it. But it's about AI basically taking over, and I guess it's that Terminator premise, you know, the humans versus the AI. But in this instance, is the AI, you know, for the benefit of mankind? Is it that Wally sort of premise where? Maybe the AI know what's better for the planet and for the humans that want to survive and, you know, thrive. Yeah, look, um, District 9 was interesting because of the, the the way it was the aliens arrived at Earth, but they weren't aliens, or they didn't take over the Earth. <laughs> no, they were just cohabitating, similar but, to sort of Alien Nation, that James the, Kahn, the, Mandy Patinkin film from the late 80s. They were effectively space refugees because they turned yeah. up on Earth and <laughs> they couldn't Absolutely. get home. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. Hey, Craig, g'day. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, Good I just morning. wanted to mention Player One. Player One? Yes. That was the one I, I was think... thinking of when I was thinking there was still another great Spielberg, you know, out-of-worldly sci-fi film, and it was Ready Player One. That was a beautifully made movie. It was fantastic. Oh, incredible. Like, I was floored that, you know, so much of the film was sort of, you know, rotoscoped or computer-generated, and it didn't didn't do any... I just watched it as it were a film, and it was just something else. Incredible. And pop culture references galore. Oh, I love that part of it. I have to admit, I've watched it a few times now, and it just blew my mind. And you're right, the, 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 um, the computer-generated stuff just gelled perfectly. 
Yeah, just it just worked perfectly. Like I, I left the cinema, and I don't. It was one of those few films that has come out where I, I went left and went, went, wow, how did how did they do it all? And yeah, it just blew my mind. Just one thing I wanted to mention. I, it doesn't relate to this segment specifically, but if you get a chance, check out the Red Violin. It's one of my favourite um, movies, and it's a must see for anyone that loves a really beautiful movie. Red Violin. I know the title. It, it was like a late. Was it late nineties? And it's a foreign yeah. cinema, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all over the world, and it's about the life ah. of the violin. I won't say any more, but it's got. Okay. Um, uh, oh God, I've gone blank. Um, out of Pulp Fiction, uh, the black oh, uh, Samuel uh, Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson plays a key yes. role, and it's just a beautiful movie. I love those movies with a premise where you have sort of like this inanimate object that's passed through hands and every time it moves to a different set of hands, it tells a different story. There's been some terrific movies like that and and some films not so great. One comes to mind is 20, I think it was called 20 Bucks, which was like a $20 note that gets passed, but in each hand was a different story. But, yeah, it's yeah a really great idea. I will definitely check it out because I've yet to see it. Thanks for the suggestion there, Craig. Uh, got this one from Raza. Says, can you remember the name of a movie with Haley Joel and Osman, mm-hmm. uh, Haley Joel Osman and Jude Law? Jude Law was a robot. Yes, and, uh, AI. Os- AI, it's called. Artificial yes. intelligence. Funnily enough, Steven Spielberg. It was the long gestated project from Stanley Kubrick, but unfortunately, Kubrick passed before he was ever able to bring it to screen. He'd worked on it for, you know, Kubrick, though. He worked on things for, yeah. you know, years, if not decades. But, yeah, that that totally post-apocalyptic and incredible, like told over a passage of time through the AI of um, Haley Joel Osman. We've got to wind it up there, Jared. Always good to talk to you, mate. We'll catch you again Absolute in a month's time. Absolute pleasure. I look forward to it, Pav. Look after yourself. You and uh, I look forward to what we're going to talk about next, we'll the make... career of Kevin Costner, perhaps. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> Thanks, Jared.